What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Policy Genius. You know, life insurance, home insurance, car insurance, they're a big deal. And it's annoying that for something that's so important, they are so complicated. And if someone relies on you financially, whether that's a child, a parent, a business partner, life insurance gives you peace of mind that they have a financial cushion if something happens to you. And typically, life insurance gets more expensive as you age, so it's smart to get a policy sooner rather than later. If you're worried about price, Policy Genius makes it easy to compare your options from top companies. Policy Genius can make sure you're not paying a cent more than you have to for the coverage that you need. Having life insurance through your job may not even be enough. Most people need up to 10 times more coverage to properly provide for their families. Whether you're graduating from school, planning a wedding, welcoming a baby, switching jobs, now is the time to protect your family's finances. The Policy Genius is your one-stop shop to find the insurance you need at the right price. So head over to PolicyGenius.com to get started. In minutes, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. The licensed agents in Policy Genius are on hand throughout the entire process to help you understand your options and make decisions with confidence. The Policy Genius team works for you, not for the insurance companies. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees, doesn't sell your info to third parties. They have thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot, and they have options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed over $150 billion in coverage. So head over to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. Policygenius.com. Oh, baby. How about Freedom Grooming? They have some amazing products that they sent over to us to check out. And Freedom Grooming has the Flex Series Electric Shaver, uniquely designed to flex and contour to the curve of your head for a smoother, faster, and safer shave without the risk of nicks, cuts, irritation, or ingrowns. I have, in case you didn't know this, a shaved head. And so this is perfect for me. It really helps mold around the curve of my head better than traditional blazers, blazers, buzzers, <laughs> also traditional blazers. And, and man, they are supporting uh, hair-free customers and their journey to baldhood. Look, I was started to lose my hair, and rather than uh, try to really pathetically uh, weed it out, uh, I went full bald and I'm never going back. But what I really like about the Flex Series Electric Shaver is just the way that it matches the contours of my head. It really made uh, the shaving experience faster, closer, easier, smoother. I mean, it's awesome. It's really great. You can use it on your face, too, if you want. And you can shave 50% more hair in a single stroke compared to traditional razors. You can expect shave times, full head shave times, of just two to three minutes. The Flex Series Safeguard technology means no nicks, ingrown hairs, or problems. And it's waterproof, meaning you can shave your head in the shower with or without shaving cream. You can shave wet 
or dry. So head over to freedomgrooming.com slash tire. That's freedomgrooming.com slash tire to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're partnering with Freedom Grooming to give you an exclusive 20% off at freedomgrooming slash tire. All right, 20% off. All you got to do is use our link, freedom grooming slash tire. You'll never shave your head the same way again. How about Upside? Upside is a really, really neat uh, piece of software. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation's hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. And that's why I started using Upside. Upside's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. Basically, everybody. And with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to using Upside. I used it at the gas pump just the other day uh, to fill up my BMW M3. It was super, super easy. I just pulled up the app. It, it brought up a map of businesses near me where I could save money and get cash back. I went to that gas station, boom, and then the, uh, the, the cash just went into my bank account, which I linked through the app. All you got to do is download the free Upside app in the App Store or at Google Play. If you use my promo code SMOKING, you get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You can check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. You can then cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or get an e-gift card for Amazon and other online shopping centers. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week in cash back, probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code SMOKING to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's very easy. It's, a, it's like five minutes to set it up. And then all you got to do is shop for the things you already would be shopping for and save. You get cash back right to your bank account. Upside app code SMOKING. Last but certainly not least, we got Berryman B12 Total Engine Cleaner. It's for use in all two-stroke and four-stroke gasoline and diesel engines any season. I have a, a business, as some of you may have known, Westside Collector Car Storage, and cars, they sit for a long time, right? And so you need something to keep that fuel system from getting gunked up and clogged up. And that's why I really like this Berryman Total Engine Cleaner. In the crankcase, it dissolves and disperses gum, sludge, and other residues for better lubrication and longer shelf life. In in the fuel tank, B12 disperses moisture, cleans out your injectors and carburetors, and gives smoother top engine performance, reducing repairs for lower operating costs. And the total engine cleaner will stabilize gasoline and diesel fuels for more than one year. That's the part of this that really speaks to me, because a lot of the cars sit uh, for months at a time, and even though at West Side we warm them up, cycle the engines once a month to make sure everything is running as good 
good as it can be, that fuel stabilizing technology really helps make sure that the fuel doesn't break down and cause problems in the tanks. And that's why we use this Berryman B12 total engine cleaner in every tank uh, for every car we've got in long-term storage at Westside Collector Car Storage. Uh, Berryman products are all American-made since 1918, and Berryman is available at your favorite automotive retailer, auto parts store, or at BerrymanProducts.com. B-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N Products.com. All right, guys, on this episode of the show, Zach and I have traveled to Pikes Peak outside of Colorado Springs for the 100th running of the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Uh, In this episode, we've got three total episodes from Pikes Peak. In this episode, Zach and I will tell you how to best experience Pikes Peak and what we're doing, and then interview a bunch of our favorite drivers on practice day at Devil's Playground. We've got our pal Johnny Lieberman. We've got David Donahue. We've got Rob Holland. We've got uh, Jeff Zwart popping in. We've got uh, actually the CEO of uh, uh, Porsche Motorsport North America, uh, Volker. He's stopping by to say how they're supporting the race and more. Check it all out. Our coverage from Pikes Peak begins today on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Hey, folks. Yo. Welcome to Pikes Peak. Yeah. Uh, this is really exciting for Zach and I. We have a, a mobile studio set up in the in the front of the F-150 Lightning. It's amazing. Yeah, this is great. Uh, here at, uh, at the Glen Cove section, we've got uh, the marshals were very kind to us. Shout out to the Pikes Peak race marshals. We're not technically supposed to park here, but we said we wanted to get a great background shot for this podcast. And... And then we gave them bacon, egg, and cheeses. Which we cooked using the power yes. in the back of the bed. We got two plug-in electric uh, griddles, and it worked no problem. Yeah. Used like 20 miles of range. Yeah. So we've come to Pikes Peak to, to, to watch the 100th running of the race. Uh, we're going to interview some drivers, many of whom we already know. Some of our friends are here. Um, we're going to talk about their strategies for racing. But in this show, uh, we want to tell you some of the other stuff that we're doing on the mountain, and as well as tell you... You know how to how to do it, like yeah. what we've learned about doing it, um, and so this is the second practice day. Although this will probably be the first part of the first show. <laughs> oh, that BMW! Uh, I hope that come, came through because that is the gnarliest E30 ever. Yeah. So this is so it's Friday. It's an optional practice day. So there's qualifying and practice all week. Right. There's other practice beforehand. You can look at that schedule. But during the week. There are qualifying days leading up to this, and then Friday is this optional day if you need to tune something, refine something if you want more time on the hill. Um, and then tomorrow's an off day, and then Sunday they race. So the way it works is um, they close the road for racing from 3 till 8.30 a.m. every morning. So uh, for you, there, for media, they open the bottom gate at the bottom of the road at, from 4 to 5. And what that means is you better be there at 3.30. Yeah. So we, we got there a little late yesterday, and we didn't get the spot we wanted. We ended up, instead of being here at Glen Cove, up at the top at, at Devil's Playground. And so for the practice days, in order to get people uh, the most number of practice runs possible, they break Pikes Peak into three sections. There's lower, middle, and upper. Right. So right uh, here, where we are, is the the start line for the middle and the finish line for the lower. And the, the cars that's finishing are about a couple hundred yards below us. And then there's a gap 
where they have a parking area here, and then this start line for the woo, for the session going uh, going up towards Devil's Playground. Devil's Playground is the start line of the top session. Yeah, and then actually talking to Cam Ingram yesterday, I didn't realize they close. There's a break in between. Devil's Playground and the Summit. Right. So if you want to practice this halfway to Summit section, you do that as well. Right. So what's, I mean, they're, they're the sector times, but but also the one thing they don't get to practice is the connecting bits in yeah. between the sections, which is not, um, they're not, it's not a lot, but like, for instance, the shutdown area for the lower section is right before a hairpin, and then the start line for this section is right in front of a hairpin and in between is about a 300 yard straightaway that's used as a parking lot but that's race course yeah and so in talking to i think david donahue yesterday yeah he said that normally you're getting to that turn this uh, this right at the end of the straight at 150 miles an hour depending on your car as opposed to here where you're getting there at 50 miles an yeah. hour because the start line is right there so those kind of sections can really trip you up now they break it into categories so today at uh, Glen Cove, we're watching the open wheel car cars and the open class cars. And so these are like really wild. Uh, some are home built. Some are uh, pro- loosely production based. Right. Uh, that E30 that went up, there's not a lot of E30 left in that. There's like car style things with crazy wings. There's stuff that looks like UTVs almost with crazy arrow. There's a NASCAR. Um, it, open means open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Open is like the engine was not in the car when you bought it, or in the case of the E30, they, had, they put a turbo on it, and they changed the rules, so an open class car, if you put a turbo on the car that didn't come with a turbo from the factory, yeah. now you're in the open class. So, uh, lining up to the start is uh, this dude, Paul Dallenbach, who always has a crazy, crazy rig. This thing looks kind of like it's a Sierra Cars or a cross cart, but with a monster turbo engine in it and huge wings. Um, he famously had an insane crash here a few years ago where he was driving this home-built open-wheel thing and hit a tree at a very high rate of speed. Yeah, it was on a long right sweeper yeah. and something broke and he went left. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, his family. That looks gnarly, man. Ooh. But he, so loud. He's one of the seasoned veterans, though, that's been doing this for like yeah. 20, 30 years, and I think his family has as well. Well, that's kind of one of the things we've 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 heard over and over is there's it's a generational thing, and 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 it it's, it becomes sort of a tradition in people's families uh, to to do it, and I I could see why. It seems like it seems like once you start doing it, it gets like addictive. Totally, you know. I mean, just I had never had an interest in doing it, and then being here two years ago, I went. Oh, I kind of get it. Like yeah. I want to do it now. I'm not ready, but it's a rat. I, it's exciting. And yeah. So if you worked on a team with your dad, of course you'd want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's and also it 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 sort of takes over the whole town for the week. Yeah. Um. You know, all the competitors and the mechanics and the media and all that are. It's all. It's it's a it's a whole takeover. Which I which I'm really that is crazy. That looks like an old like F1 car. It does not sound like it's running yeah, very good. Yeah, no one's been having uh, it was breaking up all morning. Uh, yeah, craziness. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not at all distracting to have race cars <laughs> starting a giant hill climb section right behind For you while podcasting. For those of you who are only listening to the show, we are 100 feet from the start line, so yeah. that's why you're going to hear that uh, from yeah. time to time. But, um, 
let's uh, let's talk about our, ri- our our rig for the week for a moment. I mean, this we got the F one fifty. That thing set off car alarms. <laughs> the uh, oh, oh, is that the cop? That's the safety truck going for it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe they're like, stop. You're not going to finish this one. Maybe F one fifty lightning. Um, it's it's uh, really optimum for what we're doing yes i mean uh if you need to uh, a vehicle to, to to work out of where it's got power everywhere there's nine outlets i think uh, yeah, in this there's, there's at least two in the cabin two we in the cabin four here in the four front. in the front plus two usbs and then four in the back including a two including like a 240 40. yeah yeah so so much uh power for your activities um, whether it's like recreational or if you're like a contractor and you want to run a drill or even even something higher powered like a welder. Um, but we set up multiple plancha griddles in the back to make bacon, egg, and cheeses, which I've always been, I don't know why I've wanted to make bacon, egg, and cheeses on this mountain. That's sort of been my thing. Uh, and then we have a whole podcast studio set up in the front uh, that we would normally not be able to do yeah. on the road. Like yeah. we have like the board. It's yeah, not like we have like a ghetto like road rig. Like no, we this have is the iPad. Everything's plugged <laughs> yeah. in. Everything's powered. This could go a very long time. And it has this flat surface. The only thing I noticed that was funny is when the mics were sitting on this plastic like front cover, and we would talk. The echo would bounce around the front oh. and then cause a weird like feedback thing. Oh, uh, and, but but thankfully, like there hasn't been any interference with the battery pack. Like it's all been good. Yeah. So this is so convenient for what we do yeah which is make food and jokes and you know what's great about this truck is in it's just it's a regular truck you know it's not like it's not it's not pretentious in terms of like it's the way that like the Rivian could be kind of pretentious with all the the vegan leather and all that that that's plastic by the way right. vegan leather's plastic you know and I we like the Rivian I love the Rivian but like it it really to get you to spend that kind of money on it they're really doing a we're saving the world vibe whereas this is it's really it's just an F one fifty that's electric right and being used to the Mach E I understood the the tablet and the systems. Uh, right away and it really is uh it, it's a lovely smooth powertrain very powerful good regen programming um the on and off throttle uh the response is super good yeah it is um the, the ride kind of builds which is like as yeah. you lift it it gets a little bit more intense as it slows down so yeah it also has like really nice um like the headlights like we came up here at three thirty in the morning and so the when you put the auto high beams on the transition from it doesn't just go boop up boop down boop up boop down it's got a very smooth transition it's like the high beam has a dimmer switch that right. turns on lower leds or something first and yeah it rises out like upward yeah it's, it's like cool. less jarring yeah you know it's it's a nice it, it's an it's like a it's like a someone was like okay we've got new new advanced headlights how can we best take advantage of that you know what what isn't great about traditional high and low beams yeah um, and to go to go back to the rivian versus this thing this just maintains all the functionality of the F-150. So, like, the cabin has all the cup holders and all the slots, like, all the things that they have spent, you know, 50 years having customers say, hey, we need space for this. Yeah. Whereas the Rivian, which has a lot of really nice, cool features, I feel like their market either hasn't called for that or they don't think they'll need it. So, it's a little fancier. It's more like Range Rover. Yeah. Where it's like, this is a nice experience, but this one is like, if you need to store a drill and a gun and a pen and a clipboard, like we have all the things for that. Yeah, that the Rivian's more of like an outdoorsy 
themed Range Rover. And I know mm-hmm. Range Rovers are supposed to be outdoorsy, but like, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Right. The Rivian is like a Range Rover that you could camp out of. Yeah. You know, whereas this is like, you want a truck that yeah. just happens to be electric and it doesn't need to have any, you know, it's got a bunch of like gizmos, like the bed scale. It can show That's you so how cool. much weight is in the bed. It's well, got, it actually shows you how much weight is in the truck, right? In the, tr- in the whole truck. It's out in the cabin. Yeah. It changed the weight. Yeah. So it, it has that. It's got massage seats, and it's got all this power outlets. But it's also got, you know, the flip-up seats and, and the, the desk workstation. So if you actually are using the truck as a as a mobile office, you can set up your laptop yep. right in the in the cabin. Yep. Um, Which I did when we did that camping trip with the, uh, with the hybrid. hybrid. And yeah. it was really helpful yeah. yeah it does a lot of things like really really well the only things i don't like about it so far are the ride which is no worse than a regular f-150 true but it's just not luxurious it's got secondary vibrations from the long wheelbase and from being body on frame and when you yeah. hit potholes it's got a lot of uh reverb let's call it doesn't it. do well with like the small bumps high frequency right. stuff the big undulations it damps it really well yeah but over that little stuff it just the whole thing shifts. yeah that and the shifter feels cheap yeah now it has to fold out of the way it's got a mechanism that that folds the shifter flat so you can flip the center console over right and make the desk but considering that i i considering you need that space for the desk having this big clunky shifter that feels kind of computer sim cheap um, in fact, I've used computer sims that feel, feel nicer than that. It's, that, it's just a cheap-feeling thing yeah. in a $90,000 truck. Yeah, the locking mechanism as you go through the uh, you know, park reverse drive, like yeah. it just feels thin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that, those are like my only real complaints about it. Um, the rest of it is like, and it's also like, it's huge. So parking it is kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah. The turning radius sucks. Like this truck, like, I don't know if you can do it, but it would really benefit from rear steer. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, are there any pickup trucks with rear steer that have like big payload capacity and towing ability? Uh, I don't know about that. Does the Rivian have rear steer? I think I, it. I did. think it does. Yeah, I think well, the, the Hummer does, of course. The Hummer, yeah, the Hummer does. The yeah. Hummer, yeah. But those are designed from the ground up, whereas right. this is taking an existing product, so it may be harder to adapt it. Right. The Silverado EV is actually on the Hummer platform, and so that oh. that probably will have a rear that steer. That will be a very good advantage. Yeah. For um, maneuverability, I that, yeah. the only thing I haven't really liked is besides the ride is the seats. For me, they feel like they're overstuffed, but also not shaped very well. Like there's not a lot of side bolster like for body support yeah um it may be one of those things where they know that the seats will pack out because people own f-150s for like 10 years Mm -hmm. and they're getting in and out all the time but right now for me it's just like it's just too firm yeah uh i i find the seats to be okay Uh, i don't think they're the best i don't i'm not necessarily complaining about them but i understand um where zach is coming from in that in that regard a car's coming back down so the way this works in the section is it's not like it's not like a car goes every 30 seconds, right? During practice, which is what this is, there's two minutes, a two-minute timer, right? So they open the course, course is open, and first car goes, and then it starts a two-minute timer. If another car shows up to go, they wave it up, and it goes, and then they wait two minutes again. But if two minutes go by and nobody goes, they then close the course, and everybody... Come back can down, come back said. down. And so 
it's it, and then you can get as many runs as you can get in. And because I, I mean, in this particular section, when we were up the top yesterday, there's probably twenty cars. Yeah, well, 20, yesterday was a mandatory day, right? So today's an optional day. So I think that's so some people aren't here, right? And also, I think this is a smaller class. The yeah. Porsche class that we were looking at yesterday had more people in it and more like novices and, and amateur drivers. So that was a bigger class. So that it took right. a little longer to get through everybody. Right. There's only about eight cars in this group here today. And so they're getting a lot of runs in. Yeah. Um, yesterday was quite a train because yesterday we were there. It was the Porsche GT4 class and also Time Attack. Mm-hmm. So Time Attack was those amateur cars. There was an STI and a Camaro and like those crazy Audis. And then the Porsche class alone was uh, six cars, yeah. maybe eight cars. Yeah. So it was pretty big. Well, this guy's coasting. just coasting. Saving gas. Gravity, yeah. I mean, you know, they're very efficient here at Pikes Peak, and they, they also you know they have to keep it safe. So if someone goes out for practice, they do the two-minute timer because they don't want uh, someone who is running, I don't know, a four-minute section time to be followed by someone running a one-and-a-half yeah. at a two-minute interval, and, yeah. you know, they could have a problem. So yeah. They keep it really tidy. But, um, you know, driving up this road, um, you really – uh, develop a lot of respect for it. Even compared to our canyon roads, um, it's very tight. Mm-hmm. There's definitely sections that are bumpy if you're going fast. There's a ton of exposure. Yeah. I mean, there's there are places to have really, really, really bad crashes. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's places where you can't see um, where the road goes, and it doesn't necessarily go where you think it's going to go. Um, there's negative G sections where you have to go over over a crest. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get blown out by this NASCAR. Watch this NASCAR while I get a glass of water. Uh, I think that's a NASCAR that has had turbos added to it. Uh, I can hear them a little bit. I think I saw that car two years ago with a different livery, but yeah, they have turbos on it now. And there's a nitrous bottle in um, bolted to the cage. Oh, good. It's crazy. So yeah, it's good. twin turbo NASCAR with, with uh, nitrous. It really echoes off the canyons too, which is fun. This open class, I mean, for how small it is, is very diverse. Like E30 to NASCAR, and then there's like a carbon-bodied E36 owned by Bimmer World and Optima. And then next to that was that crazy like Dallara-looking carbon fiber, almost... A shrunken DP2 car. It looks like a, um, like it, it might be a radical. Uh, the one of the one of the whatever the the closed canopy radical is, or rebellion, or whatever. It's like a it's like a track day club race car, but with a monster motor in it. Yeah, basically, it, it would probably race a, cl- a track day with like a four cylinder engine, and they've got like a turbo V8 in it. I'm excited for race day because we get to see all the classes. Because then you'll see like the diesel class is usually really interesting because. It's small, but you had, I mean, granted, it was last time I was here, you had, like, the Chuckles Garage guy who had his crazy, like, 1940s diesel pickup truck. He was competing against someone who was driving a TDI Beetle. It's a French team. I mean, they couldn't have been more different, and they were running really close times. It's, it's I, I haven't seen it yet because you can only kind of see one section of the race at a time, but apparently there's a, there's a Bronco race car here. Like a Broncos here. Yeah. That's, that's just weird. There's a Toyota Paseo, which is weird. There's like a, a Nissan leaf running in the EV class, which is weird. Um, but, but that just shows you like, you know, how important it is to not just 
to, to have something different, to, to bring something different. I mean, there's so many ways that people, like, approach this sport. Um, and what's funny is the EV, the EVs don't have their own class yet, so they run exhibition class. And I think that's the same class that Rod Millen's in. And, and the, um, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the lead. So it's like Leaf, and then you have Model S Plaid with Brandy Popes, and you have Rod Millen in a Tacoma. <laughs> like, it's just really funny. I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised uh, uh, that that more EVs haven't uh, shown up to this yet. It seems very obvious, um, you know, and I'm, and, and it's like, I love, I love gas powered race cars. Like I get it. And maybe they, maybe the drivers are having more fun in their crazy turbo cars. That could be why, but like, it just seems like, you know, with, with the altitude, the thin air, the fact that you've got torque vectoring all wheel drive systems now that like, you know, stripping a, uh, a production EV, you know, if you could take a Taycan, take a thousand pounds of interior out of it, yeah. you got a fucking yeah. insanely fast car. I mean, I was expecting fast. more of them because there were five two years ago, and then when I asked uh, the credentials person, like, "Oh, has it grown a lot?" She's like, "Not really." Yeah, it's shocking because, like you said, Model Threes are way cheaper to buy than basically any of the gas cars here that are running. Yeah, and so to build one, you put a cage in it and whatever else the safety systems are required. And you're immediately more competitive than a lot of the gas engine vehicles, yeah. or, or faster, I should say. Yeah, like I drove an unplugged performance um, Model yeah. Three, which is uh, which Randy's car is built by unplugged performance, his Model S. But the, uh, you could strip a Model Three and put their kit on it, their their wide body kit, their ceramic brakes, um, and and be very very competitive for way less than it would cost you to build up a, a Porsche or you know something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very, very interesting. Oh, and the sun is now out. The change in temperature at, at Pikes Peak is wild. I mean, yesterday I went from, like, down jacket, scarf. All right. I think I forgot to press a button. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a, we, when we move the truck, what, uh, there's a setting um, where you basically have to, you, the truck says, and it's probably there for a good reason, you know, I detect that the outlets are being used. Right. Uh, we can either put it on a timer, you know, run run for thirty minutes and shut off, or we can run until it until you turn it off or until we reach a predetermined battery limit. Got it. And I and I think I forgot to hit the run until we get to low battery. So, and so the whole in case you plug your drill in or a bunch of stuff and leave it charging in the front and then you leave, it doesn't yeah. just drain it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll, we'll, the, we'll, the whole truck turned off, <laughs> and uh, so we had to stop stop, stop and respeed. Uh, point being, uh, the weather, the swing in weather here mm-hmm. from 3 to 9 a.m., and this should not surprise anybody, is about 50 degrees. Uh, yeah, well, and when we left the hotel this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, it was 73. At the bottom of the hill, yeah. and then it's cold up here, yeah. but then it gets hot up here to match down there. Yeah. Uh, and, of course... I haven't been that affected by the altitude. I mean, no. I, we haven't done anything, like, particularly athletic up here. But they were warning us. They were, Johnny was like, you got to stop and get oxygen at the store. And, like, I get it. He's driving race cars, so maybe he's a little more exerted yes. than we were by cooking bacon, egg, and cheeses. Yeah. But I definitely did not need oxygen. No, but I, I, I noticed it when I started setting up quickly. Like, I get in this mode of, like, oh, i got to yeah. set everything up now, right away. You know, we have four hours up here, but i got to get everything set up in 20 minutes. I started getting tired. Like get a little lightheaded, uh, and just have to. You just have to slow things down because we went from sea level on Wednesday 
to 13,000 feet for yeah. Devil's Playground 20 hours later. Yeah. So it was a little aggressive. Yeah. I think if we'd hiked or driven, we would have been tired. Oh, if we hiked, yeah. it would have been, yeah. Yeah, like hiking sure. with camera gear. I mean, these people, I, I feel for them. Happy, happy to not be doing that just today. Yeah. But it's, it's a beautiful place to watch a race. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievably beautiful yeah. on this mountain. And it's a beautiful place to, um, I'll just to spend time in general, frankly. I mean, how many other races happen in a state park? I think this is a state park or some sort of like it national is, preserve. Something like that, yeah. So this is, you know, when we went, to, we went to Yosemite years ago, we commented on how good the roads were and how awesome it would be to rally there, but they'll never do it. You kind of get that It's only because of the tradition. Absolutely. Um, that they can do it here. And it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so America to like see Big Mountain, climb Mountain, build Road Up Mountain, race up road you know like yeah. that that is so like early early americana well it's it was to help promote tourism and i think the hotel the broadmoor wanted tourists to come here so they made this race which again to go to your point is very early americana like we yeah. need to build a thing to bring in the people what are we gonna do they and did like, that in, in santa monica i mean where where you the, live the ferris in, wheel in San, no no a race the santa monica oh, right. grand prix in 1906 to 1912 the that the proceeds from that race helped santa monica get its independence from the city of Los Angeles. Not get its independence, retain its independence because all the other towns almost in that area were absorbed by Los Angeles right. because they weren't necessarily financially solvent on their own. But at that period of time, Santa Monica had this race and it brought in tourist revenue. And now Santa Monica is... Its own city. Its own city, not part of LA yep. and, and fucking rich. <laughs> yeah. yeah, back then they were like, nah, dude, we don't really want to join you in this. Uh, <laughs> But um, it's 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 really cool to be here. Um, I think this this episode or this sex segment that we're recording now will probably be the beginning of our Pikes Peak coverage. We're going to talk to uh, David Donahue. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to Jeff Swart and Johnny Lieberman. We're going to talk to Rob Holland. Uh, we're going to talk to um, the Reese C Millen. Uh, Reese Millen and Joey. We're going to talk to the the CEO of uh, Porsche Motorsport North America. Uh, we're going to talk to a bunch more people uh, at the start line of the race itself, assuming we don't get rained out. Yeah. Um, if the rain is terrible, our podcasting might be limited. Yeah. Um, How, what is it like for you being here on the ground versus when you've seen videos of like, you know, climb dance or Zwart stuff or just basically anybody running? I mean, I, I knew it was gnarly. I've driven up this road once before, so I, I knew it was gnarly. Um, it's, it's, it's really cool to be here. It's, readily apparent that i have no idea what's going on <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you know i've a, i've i've asked people and you guys will see this in in our interview say i've asked people some some pretty dumb questions about how what the logistics are of this race um because i don't study it as a scholar um uh, but um it's it's seeing it in person you know, it's one of those uh, events that is such an important part of American motorsport culture mm -hmm. that it's, um, and the fact that you have to get up so early and the fact that the elements can be so unpredictable, I mean, that 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 makes it challenging even to spectate. Yeah. You know, the, there's a lot of races out there that ask a lot of the competitors and the mechanics and the people that are 
directly involved in them, but there's very few races out there that ask so much of the spectators. It's like a rally in that way, where it's like, okay, if it's raining, they're still running it. The teams might still have to work outside on the cars, right. still have to fix stuff really quick. And, and the uh, the qualifying and the practice sessions, like you're at altitude every day, laying in the dirt sometimes, wrenching on the car, fixing stuff. And, and tuning things and like everyone has to put in a lot of effort yeah that's cool and it's also I mean the fact that they open the road so early in the morning and then close it you know uh, by nine you're off the hill by nine and you've got the whole rest of the day really so we're gonna you know we're we're podcasting and whatever but it's it's really spread out it's not like they've got uh, one day where it's 12 hours of of which is weird. I mean, you honestly, you'd think that they could they could really condense the practices. You know what I mean? One long day. Yeah, like if they just closed the mountain for one day rather than. Uh, uh, but I guess the tourism revenue every single day because this is a toll road yep. is uh, is quite important. Yeah, and they have the new Summit House. They want people to go up there and buy right. donuts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's really interesting to be here to see people's different and unique approaches. Um, to the mountain, um, what what different folks think is an, an optimum way to, to get up the hill. Yeah. Um, how the the production cars and the cars that are close to production perform versus something that's you know completely home built, um, and 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 just the fucking balls of steel on some of these guys um, to be able to really really push it. I mean, you know, I I I, I go. I can go quick up a canyon road, but this is a different different level where you're actually pushing the limits of grip uh, in a place where if you do fuck up, you know, I I always talk about in the canyons that like you you don't you don't push the limits of grip in the canyons because the consequences can be disastrous, and this is the the one place. They're really, worse, yeah. The one place in America where you're supposed to push the limits of grip in a canyon road. Yeah, but and the consequences here on some of the sections like dwarf this this mountain dwarfs the mountains you know in the angeles forest yeah um what's so impressive here is the people that you know they memorize the corners so the difference when we drive quick in the canyons we're kind of driving by sight a little bit by knowledge and you have a cushion but here if you want to if you're really competing with someone else for a win like you're going full throttle around that apex knowing yeah that it you know you know it opens up on the other side which is just, it's crazy. You're passing yeah. trees, the corner's blind, but you go, no, 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 there's a straightaway, I remember, I swear. There, I mean, even, and just just as a point that, that we've talked to drivers and they've continued to brought up, there's there's bumps, places that you don't really necessarily expect them and you have to remember where they are. There's a massive bump right yeah. before the turn-in of this, uh, of this first corner here, which you are breaking from 150 miles an hour, uh, which is just insane yeah and and you, there's so many ways to, to upset the car that's um, a big thing here we will learn in, in the folks when you listen to the show with joey seeley you'll learn more about suspension setup but like there are so many different surfaces here and different qualities of road even right. though the road has like pretty good tarmac like there's a bump there and there's a camber change but then up up above there's two camera changes in a corner, and then when you go to the frost heave section, it's like there are jumps. Like, the cars used to get air before they started softening them up a bit more. I mean, it's really gnarly. That car's... <laughs> that thing has a has air shift, too, which is very, very cool. You could hear them testing it earlier. Um, so it's, it's, 
it's just a it's a sketchy place. And when you drive up it at uh, normal road speeds, because um, it's not even like like our canyons. Like you can go a little quicker. They're a little sweepier. This is a pretty tight road mm-hmm. with a lot of hairpins, and and to drive up the 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 from the the guardhouse at the bottom, the gatehouse uh, uh, to the top, it's like a forty minute drive. Yeah, and and they're doing it in eight to ten minutes, eight to twelve minutes really. Um, it's a, it's hugely different, and you realize when you actually physically. I think I think the thing that being here and physically driving it ourselves every morning um, at normal you know pickup truck speed, um, you realize how long of a road it is. It's yeah. really long. Uh, it it feels really long, um, especially because there's places where you have to slow to twenty thirty miles an hour. Um, and they get through it so fast. Yeah. And there's, you know, the lowest section of the road is one of the faster ones. It's sweepy and it's got good camber. The middle is where it gets tight and weird. And then, you know, talking to Jeff's word, like he's really fast at the top, which is a much more open section. And, you, and then you're climbing less. You're only climbing like 1,500, 2,000 feet. But that's where the bumps come in. Yeah. So there's just like, there's really, really fast sections where they're making up that 40 minutes and yeah. shrinking it to 10. It's crazy. It's, it's really wild. So let's go to uh, let's go to the drivers. Let's see what they have to say. Let's take it to yesterday. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go back in time to yesterday to Devil's Playground. Uh, speak to Rob Holland. Speak to jo- David Donahue, Jeff Swart, Johnny Lieberman, uh, Rob Holland, and uh, Volker and Volker, who is the CEO of Porsche North America, uh, up at the the top section at Devil's Playground. And uh, thanks for joining us here live uh, on location from the F one fifty Lightning at Pike's Peak. Johnny the Chew. Matt, What's happening? the other Jew, and Zach, huh. the other other Jew. We're at 12,600 <laughs> feet. We're at 13,100 feet right All here right. Devil's There's, Playground. The uh, the air is thin. Air is thin. Although not nearly as cold uh, they, as they warned us it would be. This morning, before you got, I saw you when you rolled in, it was cold this morning. It was. Yeah. But we had two griddles going on the back of the lightning. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Cayman GT4 uh, Club Sport. Sport. Yeah, yeah, 2019. Uh, visit Cayman Islands. Yeah. Bring all your money with you. We yeah. won't tell. That's right. This is a direct <laughs> flight from Denver <laughs> yeah. to the Cayman Islands, which we learned. So, you spent uh, weeks, months preparing. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. On, on the mountain. Yeah. Uh, how, how close uh, was your sim racing to the real thing? Sim is super helpful. Uh, the two things the sim cannot do is elevation, yeah, and it cannot do bumps, yeah. And the bumps, especially in this section, are super severe. There's the last really treacherous part of the upper section is called Cog Cut Corner. There's a cog train that runs up the mountain, and if you crash, you can see the track. If you don't crash, <laughs> you see a hole, and. Um, you know, my, my first, last week when I was here practicing it, um, you know, I'm trying to go faster, and it's so bumpy, and I was probably in the wrong spot, but you hit the brakes, but you get bounced in the air. So your front wheels are off the ground. Yikes. So there's no braking going yeah. on. And you're just like, I'm going off a 14,000-foot <laughs> mountain right here. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the bumps are very severe, but, but also the elevation. So I'm finding my where I'm gaining speed is um, I'm not 
overbreaking. I, I, I am overbreaking normally, but I'm learning to break later because the elevation scrubs it, off so much speed. Gives, it helps you out a lot, yeah. There's these two corners, three corners actually. So I, I've been training with Jamie Morrow. It's one of the guys helping me, uh, British race car driver. And we don't know the names of anything. So we named them Shit Left One, yeah. uh, <laughs> Shit Left Two, and Shit Right. Yeah. Those are our three. But they're not so bad in reality because they're so uphill that you naturally slow. It's not yeah. a big break. Did the simulator simulate the power loss at altitude, or did the car feel faster in the sim compared you to You know, the you just don't even notice that. The only time, I don't know, that's a good question. The only time I notice power loss is when you screw up a corner, uh-huh. and you're, you're just, too high. You're done. And, yeah. You're just done. You have 25 seconds before you have another hairpin. You get back down to first gear. First gear, it pulls good. You know, you get to second, it's good. But if you mess up. You just you're just like oh yeah. you know, I've been I've been telling my crew chief I'm like can you like just throw a turbo on there tonight yeah. you know do you notice Are, a big power difference obviously from where you start lying then training up here no I, I here's the thing I'm the worst person to ask like every day they're like how's the car I'm like there's a car yeah you know <laughs> like, uh, like I'm, I'm still alive I, yeah so, yeah, yeah so you know good. like like um you know I'm just really what's what I'm thinking about is okay I did that run I know. A couple spots where I can pick up a half second. You know what I mean? So if I can knock three seconds off this run, that would be good. And I was really successful yesterday doing that. Um, I was taking off big chunks of time. But, you know, it came in as a neutral car until it isn't. But so far, it's been neutral. It's got street tires on it, right? Not slicks? They're not slicks. They're they're, they're, uh, they're the the Yokohama Advan Uh A05 or whatever it is. And they're they're, they're great. And even in really cold, like this morning when we left, it was in the 30s. Uh, Grip was good. You know, not ideal, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're they're great tires. Um, Yeah, the, the car's great. Um, but it's it's funny. So like you know you got to run with everything off. It has traction and stability, but that just slows you down. You can't yeah. do that. But like so first gear where you do have a lot of power suddenly, even at elevation, your your trick for traction control is as soon as the rear end starts to wiggle, uh, you just pull second, and that <clears throat> get bogs you down, and that's your traction control. Coach, and look, it's Jeff. Hey, hey, oh, here, grab the mic. <laughs> do you want to do you want to grab this mic or do you need a? Uh... Do you need to go drive? We Jeff, Jeff Ford in the house. I'm here. Racer and uh, and coach. Excellent coach. Drive in and mile your demo car up here, the Frozen Berry Metallic Tycon Turbo S. <laughs> I saw it at the hotel last night, yeah. and at first I was like, someone has taste. And then I was like, Florida tags. <laughs> someone at Porsche has taste. <laughs> no, How's I'm the rolling, mountain for I'm you? Rolling as the Mary Kay exec. In the yeah, right. <laughs> it's my favorite color. Uh, awesome. In the nine thirty-five uh, Porsche. Yeah. yeah. Top of the morning to you. Good. How's good. your How's your practice going? Everything's good. You know, it's one of those mornings where the road temperature is probably below freezing. And it's only like uh, just above freezing up here. Does the road ever, the cars don't ever put enough heat into the road. It's pure no, sunlight, no. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's pure sunlight. Yeah. And, you know, when it the cold is baked in all night long, it takes a long time for it to come up the yeah. temperature. But, you know, we, our class allows tire warmers, so we kind of wait till the last minute to go out on them. But the, the big thing is both you personally are building in the day and the road builds in the day. And hopefully at the end, when the road's in the best condition, you're in the best condition and put down the best time. But you can't go in an opposite direction there of pushing hard when the road is really in bad shape. Right. So. 
What about your students? My students, Johnny here. Johnny's doing awesome. Because you are the you are the Miyagi of the spec. Oh, is it Porsche uh, Obi, Trophy? I say Obi Wan. What's it called? It's the what's the, the class Porsche, called? Porsche something Trophy. Porsche Por- Trophy. What's the class called? There's a trophy in there. Pikes by Yokohama. Porsche Pikes Peak Trophy by Yokohama. Yes. Right we had to make sure to get it right. Get all the sponsors in there. Uh, uh, so sure. what's how, how are your students looking? No, everybody's doing really good. It's always fun for me to come in here on the first day. You kind of see the timesheet. You know who they are, what experience they have. And the gaps are pretty big on the first days. And everything keeps tightening. And usually it splits into two little horse races in there. Uh-huh. And everything gets tight in there. And then at this point, everything is tight top to bottom. Bottom. And uh, it's funny because this mountain has three totally different characteristics. The top is fast and flowing. The middle kind of just rushing from one hairpin to the other. And then in the bottom, it's kind of fast and technical. And so it's interesting because different people excel in different parts of it. Yeah. And it's fun to see. You, you, get, you understand who has no fear up here for yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Johnny, how much, like, because as we were coming up, you can, you can see, like, okay, there's the canyon driving line yeah. and then there's the okay I can cross the double yellow line and then there's the you know there's room outside the white lines line <laughs> Rob, how, how, Rob Holland said it best because we were t- I was because I look I, I was saying yesterday at the, at, the, at the Porsche event like you know my imposter syndrome is like redlining and Rob's like no dude if you're doing this like you're in it's cool he's like but now whenever you meet someone they're like yeah I drive my car 10 tents in the canyons you could really laugh at them because yeah. <laughs> they're maybe 5 tents and it's well, well, you can't yeah. drive 10 tenths and stay within the double yellow and the white line. It's just yeah. not. Well, but, well, but even, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. I, it, I, I tell everybody <laughs> right away, you do not spin at Pike's Peak. No, yeah. you go yeah. off. Yeah, you go off. I had a, I had a no quarter real. spin. I had a quarter spin yesterday. Yeah, well, but don't. <laughs> don't, don't do test that. that. I I don't test the uh, first thing I heard in my head was his voice. You, no one spins at Pike's yeah. Peak. Yeah. You're either Ooh. off a cliff or you got, into one. Those are your options. to make up for it. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, I got to go back. Go so race. Yeah, I, okay. think I, I, too. Too. I think I do okay. too. Okay, so. cool. But thank we'll you. Talk, we'll Thanks just talk to me. the CEO of Porsche Motorsport North America. Yeah, he's pretty How about good. that? All he's right. probably got something to say. Volker, come join us, sir. Grab a mic. Do we need to mute this mic? No, here. It's, it's good? Hi, good morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wait, Zach will, Zach, Zach will make it work. Uh, you're going to come down here? Yeah. Because audio is good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just uh, don't go outside that edge of the of the truck. What's happening? Good morning. Hi, cool. How are you? Happy to be here. This is a, a very, uh, I mean, certainly in this section, but on the whole race, Porsche is very heavily represented. Yeah, 18 cars, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty That's good. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. What uh, What brings you here personally? Is it just the excitement of the race, or are you here on a, a work capacity? No, I think it's one of my bucket lists. I think I, I know this race out of my childhood, maybe did some dips and runs up the hill with uh, on the computer, PlayStation, whatever. So yeah. <laughs> for sure, that's on the bucket list. And I know the famous runs of Welter Earl, and that was in my head always. So, so happy to first be time here. being here? First time being here, yeah. What was your reaction when you started driving up to the mountain versus video? You know, seeing it in video games and videos? The elevation you can't see. Even even if you look at onboard cameras, it's it's you have to drive it. It's different. Yeah. So steep. Yeah, it's, it is really steep. <laughs> yeah, there's no onboard that looks down off the cliff. That's yeah, the problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. the perspective you don't get. Yeah. You need to get, we need, I mean, I think now with the 360 cams, you could probably it's get that better. angle. That would be cool. You could watch a whole run yeah. from the perspective of, oh, no, yeah. But even, <laughs> even if you drive up slow with 20 miles an hour and you just see, okay, 
you don't see nothing after that cliff, but you expect, wow, that's that's a different perspective than seeing it on the video. Yeah, yeah. because it's real. Yeah, very real. Yeah. You kind—I of, I mean, I imagine the the drivers have to ignore all of that and yeah. just just look at the tarmac and, yeah. and not look up to the side of it. You know, just, just seeing the wide of the countryside here—you don't see that on on the on, on the video. And it's beautiful, isn't it? It, it is really beautiful I mean, it's, here. It's really—it's yeah. an exceptional place to drive a car. You, yeah. It's one of those places like you can't—you know—when you go to Monaco, have you been to Monaco for yeah. the Grand Prix, yeah. and then you walk around, and you go, I can't believe they race here. <laughs> you go, how do they actually race? They 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 looked at this and went, you know what? Let's race cars here. And this mountain is the same way. They looked at this and they goes, you know, it's not. An, it's the most American thing ever to go. There's a mountain. I want to go up it. And then once you've gone up it, they go, we need to race up it yeah. now. Well, it's, you know? like, when they started, it was to try to bring tourists to the mountain. Yeah, that's why the hotel sponsored it. But like, what a, what a, it evolved into the most da- one of the most dangerous, craziest races that's like on the planet. And it was all just hoping people would come up here to buy like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're relatively new at uh, Porsche Motorsport North America, right? Yeah, you're right. Carson. Yeah, I arrived last August and I took over from from Daniel in December. How are you liking that? I, I love it a lot. I mean, I was looking for uh, forward to this job for a long time. So, and the PCLA is a wonderful place to work. One is, yeah, and also to live. It's not the worst place on yeah. the planet. We live in LA. <laughs> we live in LA as well. We're right up the road. So from it you wasn't guys. so hard to convince my wife to move to California. <laughs> Shanghai would be in a different story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, what? How much? Uh, how much actual? Uh, do you get to play on the track? Do you get to enjoy the the trappings and the the benefits of of being at such a cool place? Or are you stuck in an office somewhere doing paperwork? No, no, for sure. I, I have to be out on the track. And at the end, it's it's customer racing. What we do, you have to get in touch with the customer and find what their needs and what should we improve and it's it's all about the customer and how much actual um customer racing is being done out of that facility i mean i know you've got the workshop that does restorations and servicing of you know 962s and and 935s and stuff like that is that all customer car or is that in is there internal stuff going on more than more than i know really it's 95 percent is customer racing what we do Mm. it's all it's all about it's factory racing and customer racing. Factory racing, that's all done by the factory themselves. And we are doing the customer part of it. And uh, our biggest workload, of course, is selling cars and servicing cars, mostly uh, gearbox and engine. That's mm. done in our facility, but also operating our own race series, like the Carrera Cup North America, Sprint Challenge North America. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Do you... Back to Pikes Peak. I mean, I think it's very interesting. When Jeff came on our show in studio a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about his his 935 uh, race car that he's driving here, the Road Scholars uh, car, uh, and versus his Tycon Turbo S training car, and he's going, you know, I'm looking at the speeds in some of these sections, and then yeah. the Tycon is really as quick yeah. as the race car in, in some of these sections and Tycon Turbo S is a very very quick car we've got electric uh, Cayman coming soon it's it's sort of inevitable how soon till uh, till we see a, an electric Porsche, Porsche racing effort up here seems it seems inevitable right yeah uh, we we showed the mission R. Right? I don't yeah. know if you're familiar familiar with that car. I asked Frank to drive it. He said he would. <laughs> he he gave me the kindest denial that, 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 there, that yeah. there was. This was like uh, so. Basically, we thought our our customers are pretty pretty hardcore uh, petrol heads. So we have to take them on a journey to get them into electric racing. Because first impression is like. Leave me alone with that shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So the, the mission R was just a, a show car to show to showcase how electric co- show car could 
could look like and create some positive emotions. Mm. And now the second stage is now we're having two prototypes which will run uh, different races and show events uh, in Europe this year and they're coming to the US next year. Well, I mean, hill climb, it, this is a perfect thing for it, right? Yeah. Short course, you know, so you, you don't have to worry about will it last for an hour and a half yeah. race. Uh, elevation, yeah. where all, all petrol powered engines are affected by elevation and electric yeah. really isn't. Um, and you can regen coming back coming back <laughs> down the hill, you know, yeah. a little bit. Um, and I, I, it just seems like it seems like an optimum thing for this particular task yeah. versus, I mean, certainly endurance racing or even cup racing. Yeah. It seems like the perfect platform. I, I'm surprised that we don't see a gutted Tycon with crazy arrow up here, frankly. It seems like I figured yeah. somebody would have done it that. It will already. come soon. Yeah. But now we do this demo laps uh, with, with these show cars and we it can do up to a thousand horsepower, depending, of course, of the range what you achieve. And this is the next step, and then the next step is if we have a production car like the Cayman, then we will work on a customer race car. Mm. But that will take three, three, four a years. A lot of steps more. to get there, right? Like yeah. The demo stuff is a lot of testing, R&D. And to make it for customer racing, it has to be affordable. So we, mm. we need a streetcar brother yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. work on with, yeah. You know it's a good streetcar, Tycon Turbo S. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and I'm, and, and I'm, I'm as much of a, a, yeah. a petrol head as, as exists. I have old stupid old you know cars with gated shifters and all kinds of stuff and i have a boxster spider that's coming very soon i'm really excited about it frozen berry metallic i can't tell enough people how awesome <laughs> the, co the color is um you know and i and i believe in buying those types of cars you yeah. know while we still can but i also think that for this type of racing that the the obvious practicality of an electric sports car can't be uh you know understated yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. And I'm so I'm driving a Taycan now for three months. Yeah, I was re I wasn't looking forward for it, but now if you're used to it, you find out the, the special things which are really good at electric cars. Well, in LA, LA is the best place ever for like because <laughs> yeah. when you're stuck in traffic, yeah. do, you, do you find that when you drive an electric car, you're a little more relaxed yeah. when you get places? And even on the phone, it's more silent. And yeah, when you go back to a normal car, you find out. I don't need a gearbox. Yeah, it just makes my head shake. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's little stuff like no, that. No, exactly. Yeah. After after a month or two in an electric yeah. car, you go back to even a very nice gas yeah. car. You go, oh, this is very unrefined. Look at this. I mean, I hate to be distracted, but the five cylinder. I mean, yeah. you have to it's a bright white Audi Quattro staging up behind us to, uh, to see a short wheelbase Audi uh, Sport Quattro with a five cylinder humming. Dude, the variety on Pike's Peak is a awesome. good thing. Yeah. Even you, if you work for Porsche, yeah. it's still pretty, <laughs> still a pretty good thing. Do you have uh, you know driving racing experience in your background? I imagine you have no, a little bit. No, just a little go karting, but not at all. Oof, that's that. That was that yellow. Uh, that's uh, GT2 base car, right? Is that David? Uh, is that it? I think that was uh, Donahue or Donner? No, no, no. No, David Donahue is driving this car, the Brumos car. Oh, right. Car. That might have been Donner then. He's standing right there in the red jacket. we got to talk to him soon. What is? Okay, we're going to put you on the spot and then let you go. What is your favorite non-Porsche that you've seen up here? If you had to take a car up the hill that was not a Porsche. Here in the paddock? Well, up on the mountain at all. Ooh. Seen anything really crazy that? I mean, all the cars are crazy. I think the... I love the event because one of the last events where just engineers or teams can play around with it's no homologation. Everybody yeah. can do what he wants. You can bring a literal home-built car. Exactly. That's pretty cool. And that's like on such a famous event. I think that's that's unique and it should stay that way. Yeah. I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. 
The oh, there goes pretty broad. There yeah, goes Johnny up the hill. That that Cayman you're hearing in the background is Johnny Lieberman. Send your money to the Cayman Islands, folks. <laughs> I think they, yeah, I do have a lot of it. I think there's a lot. Thanks there. very much, Volker. Yeah, Pleasure talking to you, sir. We'll catch you on tomorrow at the at race day. Yeah, David Donahue in the house. Stand up tall. You good to go? <laughs> it's as tall as I get. <laughs> <laughs> your racing driver size. It's all good. Yeah, I fit in everything. Here we are at uh, Devil's Playground. You're driving the uh, the Brumos. Is that a GT2 based car? It's a GT2 RS Club Sport, much like last year. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have the Brumos livery back out. And, How many uh, times have you raced this race before? This is my sixth. Okay. Se- six, seven, seventeen uh, was my first year. Okay. So. Lots of experience. I don't know about that, but yeah, well, you know, racing more before, than a rookie. And what was your racing experience before that for the audience? Just give them a quick. <laughs> oh, I overview. did twenty years of sports car and and robbing cars, and yeah, we're a, good. A, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, uh, sports car mostly, and and I drove for Brumos for many years. From um, I think we won Daytona overall in '09. I think 2011 was my last year driving with them, and the team kind of switched over. But I uh, started testing the D- original DPs in 2002. And the like highlight of your career. From, well, I have race sports cars, and then at the end, he's like, I, we won Daytona. Well, he also PA for, <laughs> PA'd for us at the Audre Museum. Sure. The <laughs> highlight of the career. Legendary <laughs> racing driver carrying our fucking speakers around and shit. It was great. Well, it's a beautiful day up here. It's yeah. not, it's not uh, too bad. Concerns about the, the weather were kind of unfounded. Um, what I, d- has I dressed appropriately. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, you look, got you got an exhibition jacket. So. In the last like six years, you know, does it does the course really does it change every year? Does it is it familiar enough that you can show it, up and feel confident? It changes at the top up here where we are from this point onward is where really where it changes because it's um, there's a permafrost state underneath the surface. The, the sun hits the asphalt and the asphalt gets warm because it's absorbing the sun and you get these big undulations and they try to fix it and so you get these um, patchworks yeah. and so forth so uh, a lot of people are complaining about the bumps uh, like Rob here who's walking up behind us and um, but uh, you know I, I kind of like that the car's on the ground more yeah um, there's a lot of times where the car was going airborne in years Ooh. past and uh, there's a place called Bottomless Pit and um before uh, there's a really fast left-hander before uh, a corner called Cod Cut, and it had a big dip in it as it kind of hooked back. So you'd hit this dip, and it would just like send you the, right into that little Whoa. divot of a hook. So that was always really, really sketch and hairy. Cause you had to you had to slow for that. So you're you're over slowing for the turn itself, but you're only slowing for that divot. So it's, it's frustrating. It's, How many? This may be hard to answer, but like. How many turns or areas are there on this road that have weird things like that that you know and learn from years of experience? It's like, oh, on this turn, it looks like this radius, but you can't actually be where you should be if it was on a road course. You have to actually be over here because of a bump. You know, is it dozens? Is it 15 really weird spots? I keep learning and getting more comfortable each year. Okay. You know, I kept hearing that from Jeff, and I would discount it because I was, I was really comfortable the first year I was here. I did a lot of uh, simulator work, uh, more than I care to admit or admit to my wife anyway. <laughs> she thinks it's a game, and really it's, it's a survival. Oh, it's really homework. Life. It, yeah. It, it really is. Um, you know, if without that, uh, there's, there's so much effort put in by these guys. It's, this is harder than a 24-hour race. 
because we're up so early, so many days. Yeah, in a one row. of the uh, one of the other team's mechanics. That it was his first year being here, and he's he comes from IndyCar racing, and he's like, "This is," he said, "This is like doing the Indy 500 every day for a week." Yeah. Is what he called it, which I was like, "Wow, all right, that's that's pretty hardcore." Yeah, clearly he wasn't here for the test days, <laughs> right? Yeah. So because yeah. that starts early in June. So, um, but yeah, so it's it's really challenging there, and um, so yeah, I keep. I do. I keep learning something, and it makes me more comfortable to go harder on my first run. Um, mostly because you know you never know if you're going to get a second one because of you know, the weather someone, could change and they could cancel it immediately, or there the, could be a crash. There could be a crash. Someone could dump oil. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just you know, we said to other guests on the show, just just driving up here at pedestrian speeds. You know, the videos really don't do it justice. You can't believe they, they race cars on this road. It's clearly the most dangerous place they could find anywhere in the country to race a car. Well, if you really think about this, when they built this road yeah, and how they built this road. No I mean, this is 100th running, but this is more than 100 years old. So I just, it boggles my mind that someone could even chart the road let alone go through the effort of building this thing. Well, yeah. dynamite and yeah. human suffering will get a lot done. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> As we Jews know from our extensive pyramid experience, I think if you uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people that deserve some thanks for that that probably didn't get it. But right. <laughs> the topography here is very incredible. I mean, it feels like you're going across several bridges and these ridges just between different you yeah, know, it's, it's a moonscape it's it's, yeah, it's it crazy is. and i i keep taking pictures and then i look at them like that doesn't yeah it the, doesn't dimen- do the dimensionality doesn't really work it doesn't relate it doesn't translate now you've yeah. got a really fast car right by all by all standards it's a real it's a really fast car it's 600 horsepower and change yeah lots of aero uh big splitter on the front dive planes uh you've got a, a pass-through downforce element where a frunk would have been uh, giant element uh, uh, wing in the back with a with a ducktail underneath that. There's a there's a diffuser underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. All kind of stuff going <laughs> on. Do you think? I mean, like, is is could you personally drive this road faster if you had an even faster car, or is this is this car like as fast as you'd personally ever want to go up this hill? Uh, I know you're a racing driver. I know you got a lot of experience and. But but, yeah, it's it's funny. Hurley Haywood, uh, who was my teammate for many years, obviously uh, iconic with Brumos, um, said it best: that speed is relative to the car you're driving. Mm-hmm. So you, you put us all on a bar stool, and you know mm. you're you're stretching it to as fast <laughs> as that bar stool can go. Yeah, um, it's it's the same thing with this. If you have a faster car, it's more capable. You'll you'll go faster. Um, I mean, you look at Romain, uh, what Romain Dumas did in the, yeah. in the Volkswagen IDR a couple of years ago, and it just blew everyone's mind. And, and he feels that uh, a good normally aspirated, or not normally aspirated, but good um, petrol engine or uh, combustion engine can still beat that. Really? Yeah. He did oh, he, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's it, you know, it's a multi-million dollar effort to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a specially designed car. It's a lot of development and, and drivetrain and yeah, it's, it's it's a big effort. It was to, well, like Porsche 919, maybe something something like that. 919 yeah. Evo, whatever. whatever something that in that crazy, realm. I don't think, I don't think that car can make it up the hill because it's so long. Yeah, uh, I would say maybe Valkyrie, but the Valkyrie might be too long actually as well. <laughs> That new Aston Martin thing, mm-hmm. I just had to go in and shat my sand. Yeah, it was we're, we're crazy. like at full lock. Just, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Just from 
Glen Cove, which is uh, the area below us, yeah. to the finish, there's, I think, 13 or 14 places where you're below 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't matter uh, what car you're in. Any, right. It could be an Indy car or, you know, a Chevron that's super light. You're still under 30 miles yeah. an hour. So, What's the highest speed that you that you see on this course? Um, I've seen just over 150 That's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, that's moving pretty good. I don't know that I'm getting there right now. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I'm too chicken to look. How have your speeds or times either increased or decreased over your years? Like, you know, are the cars you're driving these days faster, more powerful, or more compliant? You know, how do they compare to what you Last started Last year with? we had more power, but I didn't do much running. Okay. Um, and I think even the year before I probably had more power as well um, in the end, at the end of the game. So we had a GT2 RS Club Sport that was virtually stock. Uh, the year uh, in 2020 and uh, that was COVID year we were in good position to win overall but I got over ambitious down at Glen Cove and hit a rock with a wheel and that was it Um, but we were really fast the car just was just stupid fast Um, I can't explain it but other than that Porsche engineers and vice soccer smart guys they know how to put something together they got a little experience at that so I mean we throw all this stuff on this car and it it, I keep thinking it should be so much faster, but why isn't it? And you know, but do you notice the the reduction of power up you know up, up here versus the bottom of the hill? Does it does it become apparent? Yeah, or not it really? becomes apparent if you watch videos. It'll become apparent because the the gears last a lot longer. Uh huh. So down at the bottom, especially if you watch um, some of the the, the short geared prototype cars. They're constantly shifting at the bottom when they get to the top. Oh, wow. The gears really stretch out. They're just like... The gears get longer. That's a good way to put it. The other other thing that is kind of funny people don't notice, if they watch the videos, you always know when the driver kind of shit himself because the the downshifts get really slow, too. Yeah. Which means he's braking early. If he's down, then you know he's on the brakes really hard. Yeah. He's confident. He's good to go. If he's gone, dun, 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 then you know he's... You know he just, he just had a moment. You know, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's taking a, a second evaluation yeah. <laughs> at this point. That's funny. I'm wow. going to have to go back and rewatch the videos now and think about that. I know that from watching myself, yeah. by the way. That's <laughs> yeah. how I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, have a good rest of your practice session. Thank yeah, you thanks. for giving us the time. Thanks. We'll catch up to you again on uh, race day. We'll be at the start line, so okay. we'll see you down there. I'm still looking for your... Honey bucket selfie. Bro, I don't know about this thing. (laughs) Apparently, you're supposed to sit in the shitter over there and take a selfie. and You can win a honey bucket. You can win. Oh, thank the grand prize of winning a porta potty, which like best thank God I need one of those. I don't know. Yeah, it's hashtag. But I, I'm telling you, I think this is something that people who've been up here I think so do too. to people like us. Yeah, they're this laughing. is this <laughs> is the fucking caught Rob laughing. This is the happy happy Gilmore fucking ninth green at nine. Yeah. is what this Rob, Rob Holland's is. behind the camera. I'm not falling He's looking for the it, other dude. way, which means not he taking probably no selfie took in a the selfie. shitter, bro. Was that <laughs> eats, they're eating the weird food, and he's like, "Oh, this is the pickled back something eating human shit." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, All right, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy seeing that car up here. It's real cool. Thank you. Rob, you want to come chat for a minute? Sure. Yeah. Can we get Rob Holland in here? Thanks, David. Be, be See you soon. Fast, Dave. What? You're not. You're he's in that I'm frame. in this one. Oh, you get two. You Bro, guys are you get like two. Bros. It's almost like we. Whoa, like you know what you're It's doing. almost like we fucking make videos, Rob Holland. <laughs> What's happening? I you guys were amateurs. Try and keep not. it on the on the inside of the bed rail. No, no, the inside of the bed rail. This way. That yeah. way. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 
There we go. You yeah. were uh, you were about to go for a run, but I think someone may have had an off and shut that practice session down. Yeah, yeah. Someone had an off up uh, at Cod Cut, which is uh, towards the finish line. It's a it's a really really tough break zone, okay. um, and as you kind of start picking up speed, you want to push that break zone a bit because every time you get up there, you break and you're like, oh, I, I break way early, so I'm going to break deeper. But the problem is it's really, really bumpy, and a lot of these cars have ABS. Uh, so yeah, as I, soon as soon as you get four wheels in the air, the ABS just basically kicks in, and you're just you're just you're skating off what, the road. Yeah. What a thing to happen! And what a sentence. As soon as the four because wheels these, on the ground, because these cars <laughs> have same. safety features, right, you're exactly. hosed. Yeah. When you uh, when you came to visit us over at the truck uh, when it was still dark out, pretty much yeah. uh, first thing you said something like really interesting that I'm going to make you say again because now we're actually recording it, which is I said you know how was your first run, and you were like. Dude, the sun. The sun is, is I've never seen anything like it. And you're extremely experienced. Not your, how many times have you been on Pike Speak racing? Uh, this is seven or eight okay, times so now. Yeah. Even more than than uh, than David Donahue there. Yeah. And you said the sun was so crazy that you literally stopped on I, the course. I, I came to a complete a complete stop. stop. I literally we 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 came around um, going into into the uh, Rock Garden, Boulder Garden, and nothing like it was just so, it was literally like someone like just turned out every single light in the room because you couldn't see anything that's so and so crazy. i came to a stop because i was looking for the edge of the road and all i could think of is this is going to be the dumbest youtube video ever like <laughs> guy drives off the side of pike's peak at three miles at three an hour miles an you know hour. you just see me like just slowly roll off the edge because yeah. I, I literally i couldn't see anything it's like the it's like the universe's largest police officer is shining a flashlight and you're yeah, like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, you're like, whoa, hey, sorry about that. But well, that's, that's also that's unique that, to this practice session on this day at that time, right? Actually, uh, the middle section as well. There's a couple, if you remember the the, the famous Ari Vatten and the he's uh -huh. doing this, that's was on the lower section. So there's three sections, but we don't really see that on race day because we're usually out a little bit later. There's yeah. there's one run during the day where you just get the sun at the right angle and it's literally wow. right in your eyes and it's 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 brutal but it puts that in your head for the next run too because you're coming around the bend and you can see the sunlight coming through the mountains and you're like okay am i going to come through here and just be completely blinded again or is the sun a little bit higher and it's fine so you you basically lift because mm -hmm. if you're actually committed to that corner and then all of a sudden you lose all of your sight yeah you're you're doing 70 80 90 miles an hour and you, you've got no no reference points. You're no saying anything. you haven't Oof. totally memorized the course to where you could drive with your eyes closed? I could. Um, I, I think I would end up at the bottom more than I would end up at the finish line. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. eventually, it's like driving by Braille. You know, you eventually yeah. get there. But uh, you know, memorizing all the corners, yes. But you know, the timing and the bumps yeah. and everything, you just it's it's new every year. Do you yeah. have a polarized visor? Does that help? Or when the sun's directly in your face? I, it I had a polarized visor on. I had got my it. hand up. I had everything, and it didn't really make a difference. It's it is it is the brightest sun you'll ever see in your entire life. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's just like it's literally like driving well, down a highway. Thin atmosphere. No, yeah. you know, no. No clouds today. Yeah, it's going straight in your eyes. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so it, it was is, brutal. It yeah. was tough. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it kind of happens every year. It's, some years are worse than others, but you know, you make Can do. Ask, is this your first year doing rear wheel, rear wheel drive? Because you had front wheel drive record at some point, and when yep. I saw you in 2020, you're driving the Audi going for it again. Yep. So well, you we did a vet though, right? I did the vet in yeah. between. So I had the salvage Corvette. We did uh, we did the big oh, thing for right. Jalopnik, where we took a salvage Corvette 45 days, turned it into a, a Pikes Peak car, which was a uh, was interesting. <laughs> 900 horsepower. What and, happened to that car? Uh, sold it off actually. Okay. Yeah, bring a trailer and uh, yeah, got, oh, really? got, got good money for it. You did and, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's honestly it's a, we really wanted to develop that car. Like we really that that platform had a lot of potential here. Uh -huh. um, the, the hardest part. The 
though, is that we, we realized very quickly the, the supercharger and the Z06 and just the amount of heat. Yeah. We, all we were doing was throwing cooling at it, and, you know, we were still having a problem with it. But yeah. we had some ideas, but, you know, it's, it's, then it's budget. You know, you're spending a lot of money on a car that the following year was, is not, you know, is not even, a, uh, you know, one of Corvette's or one of GM's current products. Right. That Z06... Had some limitations, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, it did. It the did. ZR1 did solve a bunch of them with the new front air dam. And the, well, that was one of the things we're going to go stuff. to is throw on a ZR1 front bumper ZR1 and then go to big ZR1 motorsport. Hood, yeah. Yeah. But then it's like you're, you're doing so much modification just yeah. to get the car to work. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now that it works, I want to go faster. <laughs> so then you're like, okay, now that we put more power in it, we need more. And it just, you, you end up in this cycle. Never it's, ending. It's the one that. And now the, you're in a slow car. <laughs> The, the GT4RS is anything but slow. This thing is an absolute weapon. Yeah, all these other guys, you know, Johnny and them are driving a GT4 uh, mm. Club Sport. You're driving a GT4RS Club Sport. So you've got 85 extra horsepower. You've got 1,000 or 1,500 more revs. Mm -hmm. You've got short gears, mm -hmm. all of which adds up to, to really staggering performance increases. What If you compared your sector times to, like, Cam Ingram, who was fastest in that class... Uh, actually, we're we're looking at you know the Tanner Faust because uh, Tanner actually oh, has the the, the, he has record the record the for that class. Yeah, uh, yeah, we are substantially faster than Tanner. Yeah, like substantially. Like the middle sector, we were ten seconds quicker. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah uh, that's a lot we faster. we expect at the bottom. We didn't quite get the best runs, but we're expecting about a similar gain, maybe even a bit more on the bottom section, and probably a little bit less at the top. But the car, it's still, I mean, this is, like, the first day we've had the car where it's not pulling, like, a freight train. Like, it's, like, even on the middle sector, I was yeah. like, how, how do I have this much power? Like, it's a normally aspirated car. And it's... it's a lot it's, of power. It's a 500 horsepower car. Yeah. Well, but up here, it's, car it's, up here, it's like an asthmatic hamster. No, what's just, the... Know. I don't... I should have done the math. We were here. What is... What, how does the math work? Is it... Uh, we're a little over 300 horsepower by the time we get yeah. to the top of the hill. Yeah, so yeah. Roughly, they say 10% per... Atmosphere, yeah, it changes a lot, roughly, but yeah, yeah. It, does, it does change. But Direct you know, injection. at the end of the day, um, it, it, the short gearing definitely helps. Yeah, you know, the, sure. the the long RPMs definitely help. You know, you can really extend the gear out. Um, so there's a there's a lot of benefits to running the car, and it, it's I mean you've driven the thing you know down at sea I loved level. It. It's, it's oh, I loved it. It's, I mean it's really funny at, Willow, at Streets of Willow. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most fun. You know, track day cars I've, I've ever driven. It was it's, lovely. It's funny because you and I did the same review. I think you were yeah. the day before I was. And I started to write this thing. And I, and I had already, like, gone and done the St. Pete race in, yeah. in my race car. And I was, like, I was about to write this whole thing about how amazing the car was. And it's one of the best, you know, sports cars and track day cars. And I'm, like, wow, did I, like, just buy into the Porsche Mystique because I'm now driving their race cars or whatever? And then no. it's, like... Everybody wrote the same thing. No. Everybody's like, "This is just an amazing car." They're not paying all of us. Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, you no, know. Right. <laughs> it's some of us. They, I mean, they yeah. made a lot of smart decisions. That the airbox in the cabin. Yes, genius. Absolutely, genius. Absolutely. And there, and also that car. It's not like it came out of nowhere. People yeah. like yeah. us that have mm -hmm. driven the the regular GT4 have been asking for the exact things they did there. Right. The gears, you know, that yep. the the full power engine. Yep. We, we've been saying for 7 years, hey guys, it's a great platform. Here's what you could do. <laughs> and then they did it. No, yeah, no shit it didn't well, disappoint. Uh, the great thing, too, is that Porsche listened to a lot of their racers because they yeah. had the club sport out there, and they were getting a lot of the feedback you know, on other versus other GT4 cars, and they saw where all of those weaknesses are, and they realized that they had to build a sports car that, that could compete. And, and they did. I mean, they absolutely nailed it out of the park. It is, and, and for me, this is, it's probably the most fun 
I've had in a car at Pikes Peak since I've I've been here. Wow. Like I'm really just because enjoying it. because it's because it's something you don't have to think about because it feels like an extension of your well, it's hands confidence. And feet. Yeah, it's yeah, confidence, yeah. and this is what I, I mean. It's it's no matter what, like whether you're on the street or track or whatever. It's driver confidence is what one gives you, you know, a lot of fun, but it also equates to lap time. Like the more confident you are in the car, the faster you're going to go, the harder you're going to push it. Cause you're going to know like, okay, if the car, you know, if I get a little bit over the limit, I can bring it back. And, and that's what this car is. It gives you so much confidence as a driver. I'm, mm-hmm. We figured out the one, the one limitation is, is that as opposed to a true steering wheel, I've got a yoke. Oh, And when you no. go through the hairpins, you're trying to, like, trying to literally cross over. They put a yoke on that fucking nothing, thing? There's nothing to grab. Is the rack not quick enough to just go you know, cross It's a streetcar well, rack. It's, yeah, it's a street. So, right. I mean, so going through the hairpins yesterday, you're more than, than literally. Oh, it's oh, like this. terrible. So I always, like, my, my standard is crossing over, and you keep one hand on the wheel, Crossover with right, right. but there's nothing to grab. So yokes Whoa. are bad. Yeah, don't, you don't want fucking yokes. <laughs> they look cool. They yeah. totally look Dude, cool. Randy Post is driving a Tesla Plaid. Yeah. It's got a round steering wheel on it. Yep. Even I just you know uh, even though Ken uh, is not going to be racing, they had an, yeah. an engine failure unfortunately, and we were we were um, helping them. Uh, What's the word? Commiserate. Uh, we were helping them commiserate at the bar last night. Alleviate them. <laughs> and even, uh, you know, I hope this isn't saying too much, but, but Tim, uh, a BBI, who built this Huna Pegasus, this bad shit, you know, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. experimental vehicle, he said they put a fucking yoke in it because it has all the buttons and all the stuff. Don't care. And he goes, he goes, Ken came back from the first day of testing and goes, get this fuck, get this yoke <laughs> out of here. And he goes, now I don't know what to do. And he goes, all these buttons control things right they're programmed and it's set up because i'm going to have to zip tie the yoke to the dash and put like a 500 sparco <laughs> steering wheel on the thing and i go yeah yeah you should have thought of that I, literally this course has hand over hand corners like no a lot of shit. them yeah. and then and then when you're coming off of it, i mean obviously ken in his car you know he's got all-wheel drive so he'll be able to kind of get a good launch out of it but with rear-wheel drive, I mean, you're whacking open the throttle as yeah. soon as you can start to straighten the wheel. So I'm coming off all these corners in big, huge drifts, and now I'm, like, just one-handed drifting oh, on Pikes Crossed Peak across. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. But oh, once man. again, the car gives you so much confidence, you're like, that's pretty cool. Like, I think that'll be a good YouTube video. Do like, you really <laughs> want to tell a German guy, though, you that you've made the wrong decision here with this wheel? I, I had, a, had, a, had a chat with Volker <laughs> uh, yesterday and said, um, you have made the wrong decision for Pikes Peak. Yes, right. You have to qualify. Said, yes. You have to qualify. Because there's your no comment. road course that has a, this many turns, that, or any no. turns. Or any type, turns. Any yeah. Turn no. Maybe Long Beach. That would be the only time I would ever see that, that you would probably be more than, than completely crossed over. But that's one corner on one track that 90% you of know, people don't Here, yeah, here so. with the number of hairpins and the, uh, the possibility of oversteer correction, yeah. round is king. So here's, round here, is here's the interesting king. thing, and, like, and I, was, I just was having this chat last night with one of the guys, is that this is a, a course like I've been doing this for 20 years and I've raced for factory Dodge factory Volvo. I've done a ton of stuff and I come to Pikes Peak and especially when I came here with the, with the TTRS as a, as a rookie, like you go, oh, I've been doing this for a while. We, we've got this dialed and you come here and it kicks you in the ass. Like you're just like all of these things that you think, you know, from racing are completely different here. Like, especially for you. Cause you are like an expert at the Nürburgring mm-hmm. and, and this is in terms <laughs> of length, in terms of number of corners, right? You know, on, like, I got this on paper. It's not drastically different from, you know, a time attack lap at the Nürburgring, which, 
which you clearly have down, <laughs> you know? And so, so is it, what, what is it about this that's in reality when you get here so much different from time attack at the Nürburgring? Everything. I, I mean, I, I, I the biggest, so just as a, as a story to kind of illustrate exactly how wrong we can get it. When we first came here in, in uh, 16 with the Audi, we had tire blankets. We're like, okay, we're going to be good because we know it's cold in the morning. Got to get heat in the tires, especially on a front-wheel drive. And we had tire blankets. We brought a generator, got everything hooked up. The same generator we run all the time. Anyway, hooked everything up. We're actually right up here. And half an hour later, we're about to go out, pull the blankets off, and they're like, tires are they're stone cold. <laughs> we're like, what's going on? Well, we're all idiots. Because the generator is a gas-powered motor. At sea level, it puts out so much horsepower, which generates so much watts. Oh, wow. When you're at 13,000 feet, guess what? You have 20 to 30% less power, less watts, less things to power your tire warmers, cold tires. Like, and it's the dumbest thing in the world because, of course, like yeah. we all know this. We talk about it all the time. So you need a bigger generator or a battery or you know, no, electric? No, we got, a, we got a big electric. tire warmer tent. We got, oh. we got the full endurance racing, that oh, big that's that black big thing. square oh, that thing. Box, that box? There's a box. There's a big kerosene heat blower. Oh, wow. And we've oh. got two, two racks of tires in there, and well, we just are, cook are, them. Are these guys using electric blankets for, that, are, that are just on a more powerful generator? Yeah, yeah okay. and you can do that. But it's one of those things. It's, it's the, like the rookie mistake. It's the yeah. aha moment that you're at a place that isn't like any other place yeah, that you yeah. go to. So yeah. like going like the yoke thing. Like I, I'd never, like until I actually went through the first hairpin yesterday, I was like, Yo, oh man! <laughs> so you like learn things every single yeah. time you come here. So it's, there's it's like awesome. there's, there's prep differences, there's pit differences. I mean, this pit is not level. Everyone has no. to make a pit, and it's far from level. Yeah. The driving, I think. Let's go back to that with the Nurburgring. Where where are the big differences between me- memorizing the Nurburgring and lapping there versus running this? I mean, there's a lot of them. I know, but I just what what um, really leap out. Speeds. The Nurburgring is much higher speeds. I always call the Nurburgring like video game fast. Like you do it on PlayStation and like, you know, I've played it on and you're like, yeah, it'll never be that fast in real life. And then you do it in real life and you're like, holy shit, it is actually that fast. Whereas as Pikes Peak, it's a lot of hairpins, but the commitment level is literally through the roof. The Nurburgring, you always think this is high commitment. And I made a comment a while ago that seems to have stuck. I, you know, I said, you know, the, the Nurburgring like has a little bit of runoff. It has like five feet of runoff yeah. and before you hit a barrier. I said, Pikes Peak has no runoff at all. I said, well, no, that's not true. Pikes Peak has a lot of runoff. Yeah. It's just all vertical. Just, <laughs> yeah. So it is, it's, it is that level of commitment. And, and every year, and I know I pulled David back over here. We were chatting the other year and uh, a bunch of us, and we were talking about that first run we do every single year and you get to the finish line and it's just a practice sector and you're like holy shit like this is the scariest i I can't do this clearly like i've lost it in the past year like i don't have the balls anymore and then you do the next run the next run the next run but it's that it's that like the top drivers in the world sebastian lobey made the comment he's like i'm not going back there he's like i broke the record but that's that's some crazy shit guys you know when you only get to practice a third of the mountain at a time does that really prepare you for running the whole thing? Or are the links in between those sections where you don't get to practice actually hitting that section at speed when it comes to race day, does that make a big difference? Mm. 
it's it has a bigger difference in setup um, for the car. Uh, basically, it's it's tires more than anything else. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. run tires from top to bottom, and you're running it later in the day. The sectors in between, the only one that's really really tough is the middle sector, Glencoe, because you actually c carry a huge amount of speed. Yeah, that's yeah. actually the probably the second highest speed of, of we see in the course. And then you've got a nasty brake zone with a big bump in it. And if you get that brake zone wrong, and everybody, all of us are always trying to push our brake zones. And in the race, you're just fired up, and you're like, oh, I can go that little bit deeper and then you hit the bump and the car gets light yeah and like you the, go off. the the starting line for the practice is in the middle of a big straightaway yeah so you right, don't so the end, end you, of the straightaway so yeah, you're yeah, already yeah. like 130 miles an hour yeah, yeah, yeah. as opposed to 10 and it's like right. a 90 degree right 90 degree right with a big bump in the yeah. brake zone yeah is there a camber change on that corner that's where yeah. david i think went off yeah his he just field. and it is yeah. it goes it, it falls off there's there's a huge amount of camber here, which you also can't see in the video. So if you watch a lot of YouTube videos and you're like, why are they taking that line? Like, if you know, track day guys that know yeah. what they're doing. It's because the camber, like a lot of the road is cambered in that you you just don't see at all. Yeah. So the line isn't normally like, okay, you start out and you turn in and hit your apex. It's like stay on the inside because all of your grip is there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it makes for some weird things. And it also is a bit daunting sometimes because you're, you're carrying a narrow entry into a corner that's tight and blind right. and the other side of the blindness is a cliff and sunlight and so, so it is it's counterintuitive to what you know from road racing yeah oh my god there's so many things to memorize yeah. I, I'm actually getting more nervous <laughs> do, you, do, you do, do you do simulator time in between or no there is no sim for this like I haven't found one that's that's worth it because I know the corners. I know where we go left and right. That's not my my issue. It's all of the things that you you have to be here to experience. It's the it's the the bumps. The bumps change every single year. This mountain literally they say the mountain's alive. Like and I kind of agree with them. Like everything changes. You get the bumps. You it was get, alive. We're slowly killing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why it rains every year on race day. Like get off of my yeah. mountain. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's um you know it, it, there's so many things that change and there's so many things that you just can't replicate in a in a sim um you know i think the the guys like you know david donahue and donner and zwart and all these guys I and mean, we've been here enough we've got this place fairly well memorized you know it literally is the the thing that you can't recreate here is the is the fear factor and yeah. it's it's real like i i'd love to be the yeah yeah whatever we just do this and we're we're fearless we got big balls you know the rest of you guys would it's no we're like I, every time i go up here it's like oh shit oh shit oh shit, okay I made that okay next corner oh shit oh shit like every time yeah every time <laughs> Cool, man. Well, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. You, Always, got, a, dude. you got a hot ride. I, I can't yeah, wait man. to see it go up. I, I guess the cars just uh, did the return trip here, so yeah, hopefully. it looks like it looks like the first cars are lining back up to go up again, so you're probably going to go race soon, and yep. we'll have to find someone else less fun to talk to. <laughs> oh, no, it's always, hey, I love hanging out with you guys. It's this great. great. Thanks for breakfast earlier. This that is, was great. Like, <laughs> this Ford Lightning thing is pretty awesome. Big egg and cheese on the hill, plenty of power. It took us, we made sandwich, we made 20 uh, I don't know, 2022 bacon, egg, and cheeses. I had 11. And it, it used about uh, 18 miles of range. Are you kidding? That's yeah, it. not very yeah. much. That's amazing. These electric flanches. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, this $22 is. $22 Walmart electric cooktops. You made the comment earlier. It's just, it's a Ford F, electric Ford F-150. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really well, like impressive. having this much power to use when you, like, get somewhere right. is very, very useful. Oh, I'm 100%. Like that, I'm, you want to warm your tires? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's I mean. <laughs> I was, I know, it was really funny. Don't think I could have our that generator thought, put like, on us. I was like, um, go over and get who's power. Who's got power? We're going to plug in. We'll fucking give yeah, you, we'll give you some juice. Oh, no, we'll back this bitch right up. We'll give you some juice if you need it. 
We'll no. come fully charged. These things tomorrow are awesome, we should man. try to meet you. Uh, are you in the optional practice tomorrow? Are you going to do it? At bottom of the hill? At the bottom? Yeah. Maybe we should try and do some tire warmers. Should we try and run a tire blanket? That You should these? do that, dude. That would be pretty awesome, man. Do, does that... Do you have ones that'll plug in? We don't bring the Donner. Donner will plug his in for you. Somebody yeah. will plug him in. We Absolutely. should try that tomorrow. That'd hey, can be we fun. Like, ask someone, can we experiment with your tire jams <laughs> right, on this exactly. dangerous <laughs> <laughs> No, this thing is cool, man. I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked to see these out in the wild and yeah, nice know. little truck. Yeah, right on. All right, thanks for stopping by, Rob. Anytime, see guy. you soon. Stay, yeah. be careful, be right. fast.